0: I am where I am. But you know what? I I need to change my mindset. I need to believe that I can go out and buy a 28-unit apartment building because my upbringing, I I grew up in a small three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house, about 800 square feet in Toledo, Ohio. There was nothing going on there. And so I said, all right, that's a jump from that, being an employee, to, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. So number one, you got to change your mind, right? You got to get your mind right. I'm sure you've heard that before, but it is The number one thing, because if you don't do that and you don't.
1: A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can. Dwelling has partnered with Amazon's Audible to give you, the Dwell listeners, a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book. This will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Hola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you what to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at allardwelling.com And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today. Ken and Hey, Ken. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. And we were talking about some pretty cool stuff before we hit recording here. Um, But, you know, for our listeners, we don't know who you are. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you've been doing lately, and kind of how you got started in real
0: estate? Sure, sure. So I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, um, back in 1991, I think it was. Uh moved to Cleveland, so I got my undergraduate in finance from Toledo, moved to Cleveland, got my master's in accountancy at a small private college called Case Western Reserve University. And then I went to work for Deloitte as a CPA for seven years, did a lot of merger and acquisition work, did some um, state and local tax planning. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, interestingly, while I was getting my master's in accountancy at Case, I was working for a bank as a commercial lender. And all my customers kept telling me how much money they were making in real estate. You know, their business is doing great, but they, you know, they really enjoyed the real estate part of it. And then uh, as I left and went to Deloitte, the Cleveland office of, the Deloitte, uh, the, of Deloitte, they had a huge uh, real estate tax practice. So sure enough, here I am again, finding myself with all surrounded by people who had done extremely well in real estate. And I said, you know what, enough, <laughs> enough of this. I, I need to. I need to do this. I was working really hard as a CPA. I don't know if you know much about CPAs, but they work really hard, especially during busy season. And uh, you know, I decided, you know what, it's time for me to to make that jump from being an employee to being a, a business owner. So I dove in to apartments, and uh, my first apartment building was a 28-unit uh, apartment building in a, a little area of Cleveland called Shaker Square. And uh, bought it uh, three years later, sold it, made uh, what at the time I thought was just an incomprehensible amount of money. And uh, then just continued to, you know, just, it was time for me to keep doing this because it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, it's really fun growing. Something that it's yours now, uh, you know, fast forward to today, we're at about 50 employees, uh, we're up, operating, we don't operate in Cleveland anymore, but we're all throughout Central and Northern Florida. And, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, managed thousands of units and uh, owned 15 or 16 deals. And we just closed on our first uh, formal blind pool private equity fund. So uh, now we're out in the market, uh, deploying this capital for, uh, for our investors.
1: I was just taking so many notes, um, but <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah, but so I- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. So let's let's kind of get into the world of an employee, right? Somebody listening to this isn't someone that is that has just closed on a blind pool equity fund, right? Most people listening to this show are people that maybe have a day job, um, looking to make that transition that you made, in, you know, some years ago. So if I'm an employee and I'm listening to this podcast, I want to make that transition like you did. Um, How did you like literally make that transition, right? You were in Deloitte, um, you, you, you work with some, I guess, real estate investors at the time, you saw how much money they were making. And you were like, wait, these guys are probably not as smart as I am or, or, you know, I could do what they're doing. And then you started doing some certain things that got you to your first Twenty units. So, what were those things that you did? Um, so that was kind. Of, that's kind of like on the tactical side, but also the, the mindset, or are you, are you were thinking at a time, play a role in helping you to make that transition?
0: Yeah. So that that's really insightful question because that um, the first what came first really was this desire that I wanted to change my mindset, and what I started to believe. Uh, because I just kept hearing it as, as much as I could that y- you can, y- you define, I-, I have this saying, you are where you are because you choose to be there, right? It, I don't know if I stole it from somebody. I don't think I did. I think I I think I created it, but I could be wrong. So if I didn't give credit to somebody, I apologize. But what I, what I learned through this process is, wait a minute, I am where I am, but you know what? I I need to change my mindset. I need to believe that I can go out and buy a 28-unit apartment building because my upbringing, I I grew up in a small three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house, about 800 square feet in Toledo, Ohio. There was nothing going on there. And so I said, all right, that's a jump from that, being an employee, to, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. So number one, you got to change your mind, right? You got to get your mind right. I'm sure you've heard that before, but it is the number one thing because if you don't do that and you don't honestly believe it the path to get from where you are to where you want to be is is going to be hard it, there's not you're probably not going to have somebody holding your hand you're going to be in charge of making your own decisions and doing it yourself so you've got to rely on that belief and that drive so then what I did was I spent this is back when I was at I think I was at Deloitte at the time maybe I was at the bank still I can't recall now but I spent about a year and a half going to the apartment association meetings, taking their courses, making sure that I stayed after every time there was a seminar and I talked to the speaker and I formed relationships with those guys and gals. And I started to use them as mentors because what happens after you've been doing something for a really long time, you get to know what you're doing, right? You understand it. And it actually becomes fun to help someone new in the business. And they gave me that lending hand. So you know, I met an attorney. I ended up being a partner with that attorney. I met a, another property manager who I would call from time to time for property management advice and all these people. So I spent a year and a half trying to learn the business, put, trying to put myself in a position where when I did pull the trigger that I was somewhat ready, or at least I thought I was somewhat ready. And then I just started looking at deals. So I looked at deals and I just started underwriting them. And I thought, how do they know what these numbers are? And then you dive into each number and you figure out, oh my gosh, you can prove out every single number on this profit and loss statement except maintenance and repairs, basically. So I figured that out. And so now I got more confident as I started to underwrite deals. And then when I came across this deal, I don't remember, I think somebody referred me to this, uh, to this guy who ha- ha- happens to be a very large owner in the, in the Cleveland area. But um, the first deal I did I actually paid an attorney to sort of be my mentor, be my, be that person that blesses the deal. And he went through everything. He looked at everything. He had been in this business a long time. He said, Ken, I think you're going to be good. I think you're going to make a hundred grand in three years. I said, really? Okay. I I said, wow. So now I had done my own homework. I reached, I I, I didn't imagine a hundred grand at the time, but you know, I thought, okay, I can buy this. I think I understand how to run it. And now I've got someone with a lot of experience whose advice I just literally paid for who said, yeah, I think you're going to be good with this thing. And as it turns out, we did more than that. So that was, that was thrilling. But making that first jump is the most difficult thing you will do. I can, to this day, remember standing in my kitchen uh, and this golf ball size lump in my throat because I was about to sign on a $460,000 mortgage, which at the time there was no way I was gonna, that, was, that would bankrupt me in a minute, okay? that uh, was just a super stressful event. So, but nonetheless, remember when I said, you've got to get your mind right because you're gonna go through those stressful events. And a lot of times those stressful events, they shut you down. You're like, nope, nope, can't do this, I'm, I, I'm too nervous, I'm not gonna do this. A lot of people quit at that point. And you just got to have this belief. I will tell you there's good news. After your first deal and it starts to be successful, they actually start believing then that you know what you're doing. And that's when it becomes even more dangerous because you think you know what you're doing because you did it once. So you just got to be extra more even more careful uh on, on subsequent deals. But you know, that's kind of how I made that jump, right? You make it a little bit at a time, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I just I I just did it, right? You don't go from you know today being one way and tomorrow being in that. I mean, this is a process that takes a couple of years. And I remember running that property while I still worked at Deloitte. And it was hard because I was working 80 hours a week. So, you know, I had to figure out how, yeah, I got up at 5 a.m. to do the, pay the bills and do, th- you know, so these levels of commitment that you have to go through. Now that's assuming that you want to actually get into the business and quit your day job and make this your your life's work. That makes that assumption. Most people don't want to do that. Most people want to stay passive, and that makes sense for a lot of people. But for those who want to make that jump, that's the kind of commitment you need. Fascinating. So um, still kind of going back chronologically.
1: So you got this 28 units, right? Most people, um, at least our generation, the millennials, right? Kind of the idea is to house hack. um, And I'm I'm a big proponent of that is you buy like a small duplex or triplex or fourplex, and then you kind of walk your way. And that's kind of what I did until on, on my last deal that I did, you know, a 178 units two months ago. So it's kind of like that graduation process, but it looks like you skipped all of that. You went to this 28 units, right? So, yep. so I want to ask you, because I mean, please tell us the trick, Kenneth. Um, <laughs> how did you do would- that? And kind of walk us through the story of that deal. And then you said you made a little bit more than $100,000, but just even if you don't want to talk numbers, but just kind of tell us a little bit more about that deal. And you mentioned it wasn't as easy as you thought. So, you know, I want want you to kind of elaborate on that as well and give us a story about
0: it. Yeah. So I I can dive into that deal for you. So uh, a number of things. One, when we're all done here, I want to talk about a book that I wrote and it's going to help your readers figure or your listeners figure out how to figure out how this thing works for them. So when I started this process, every single person that wants to get into real estate goes through this process. Just like you described that you did it, I did it as well. But now I have to set up my life for you. And that is I, was, I, I had uh, a new son, fairly young infant. I had a good job at Deloitte. So I was working like a dog a lot. And now I'm trying to cram this other thing into my life. So I had a lot on my plate. I don't know how to fix things. I'm not a handyman. I mean, if you, my, one of my maintenance guys watched me try to put in a kitchen floor once and after eight hours, he threw me out and said, get out of here. I could have done this in an hour, right? So I knew, you know, I, I have certain things to work with. I, it wasn't, I didn't have the manual labor skills. I didn't have the trade skills. I didn't have any of those kind of things. And I didn't have a lot of time. So in my mind, a single, a double, a fourplex didn't seem to be an option for me because I couldn't see enough income there to be able to support paying someone else to do some of this work. So the 28 unit property that I had, there was a wonderful lady. Her name is Joyce. I won't use her last name. She's no longer with us, unfortunately, but she lived at the property and she did this part-time. She was kind of retired. She loved where she lived and she sort of was the, they, you know, apartment buildings always say they, there's a mayor. There's always a mayor on every property. She was the property mayor. So she got to Help me with the turn processes and showing apartments and collecting rents and do all that. So I was able to give her a unit and some small amount of money, but the, the, the 28 units worth of income was enough that allowed me to do that. So in my case, it was out of necessity that I needed to be able to have something that I could kind of run as a business, not as a single family home, right? Or a, or a duplex. So that's what drove me to that 28 unit property. Now, And this is going to be a little bit of a long-winded story, but the the biggest event that happened to me during this deal was I met a lady named Karen. I won't use her last name. She was from an office in the city of Shaker Heights called the Pro Integrative Housing Service. So the job of that office was to integrate neighborhoods, which is great. That's that's wonderful. The very noble cause, right? But so I met her, I don't remember how I met her, probably at one of the seminars that for the Apartment Association. And she said, Ken, um, my challenge was as soon as I bought this property, the applications that Joyce would send me weren't very good. They had bad credit, they didn't seem to make a lot of money. And I thought, oh boy, this is good. And this is not good, right? And then Karen said to me, Ken, if you build it, they will come. I said, what do you mean? So she, she met me at the property and she said to me, she said, Ken, what you need to do is go invest about $5,000 into this unit, make the kitchen nice, clean up the hardwood floors, blah, 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 do all these things, build it, they will come. I said, Karen, are you kidding me? I just spent every penny I had to buy the thing. Now you want me to spend five grand? Like, are you nuts? She says, listen, I'm telling you, you gotta do it. You gotta figure out a way to do it. So I said, all right, so I used my credit card like every person shouldn't do, but I did. And I spent the money. And lo and behold, my rents were 479 before and I got bad applications. As soon as I did that, my rents were 599 and all of a sudden good people applied. So I learned that valuable lesson. Now that whole business model is a value-add business model, right? You win, you add value. That's what she taught me, right? So this wonderful lady. that's why I always tell people, you never know when this life-changing advice is gonna come to you and you never know who it's gonna come from. And this woman... Changed my life. And to this day, I owe it. I haven't talked to her in many, many, many years. But she helped me understand what needed to happen. And then all I needed to do was see it happen once. Then the next deal I did, I said, wait a minute, Mr. Lender, I need your help with this. So we got a loan in place on the second deal to help me renovate the apartments so that I could implement my business plan, right? So it, you, as you can see that I learned that lesson and then applied it to other deals. So that's hopefully an interesting story, but that's how I got into the value add side of the real estate business, which has proven to be extremely lucrative. If you just, I'm just curious, my brain was just
1: telling me to ask you this question. What was the amount, the number of units on the second? Year? You didn't have to tell us the story, just what was the unit count? 22. Okay, 20,
0: 20, 24, I think, I think. 24. It was 24. Okay, so you kind of stayed in the same ballpark. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was in the same neighborhood. And then after that, about another 22 units in the similar neighborhood, because I got to understand the neighborhood, right? And that's one of the lessons that I always tell people, you got to really understand that little neighborhood, not the city, you got to understand the street, and the block that you're on, so that you understand what should happen and what could happen. So let me
1: ask you this, um, you did all this project, obviously, you scaled your business, um, you managed, you, you said, you know, thousands and thousands of units as well. Um, and then you got to this point where you're kind of pulling funds together, um, you know, in a blind pool, and then trying to, you know, basically get that capital and deploy that capital. So you can just kind of talk to us a little bit more, I know this is a little bit more sophisticated um, strategy in terms of how to raise funds, but just kind of talk to us how that process works. And just kind of um, give us
0: how, some ideas of how you're going to deploy that capital. Sure. So uh, I'll tell you how most people get into this. And it's very similar to how we did. So we started off in, with syndications, right? So with a syndication, I go find the property. I convince the seller to put it under contract with me. I give them some money, uh, you know, as a deposit. And then I go out and raise the money, right? So you put the deal, then you go find the money. And we had done a number of those, and the sources of those funds were really people that I knew. Right over time, your circle of influence continues to grow because people start to know, oh, this is what he does for a living. They start to trust you. They start to see that you've done really well, and they want they want a piece of that. So our 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 uh, funding sources just generally grew over time organically. Now, when we made the move to Central Florida and Northern Florida, uh, maybe ten or fifteen years ago. The challenge is it's ultra competitive in that market. That's very different than the Cleveland market when you're trying to buy. So we did get some deals syndicated in Central and Northern Florida. That wasn't the problem, but the problem is now it's even more competitive than it was. So now we're trying to figure out how do we stand out from the pack, right? If there's 15 offers on a deal, well, they're all syndicators. Well, I'm just like everybody else. So I said, all right, we've got to change this. And you're going to find most of what we do is reasoned out through some some necessity, right? It's usually we change, we make changes because it makes sense to do that. So I said, all right. I, being at Deloitte, I was very familiar with the private equity model because I had a ton of private equity clients there. So I knew what they did, I understood how they did it, and I said, you know what, we we need to implement this model in the real estate business. So we went out. Now we've got you know twenty plus years of experience. You know we've been, our senior management teams manage fifteen thousand units. You know, we we currently manage a couple thousand units throughout Central and Northern Florida. So the experience was there and now it made sense to go out to the market and say, hey, guys, I need you to invest in our blind pool fund, which just means you're going to I'm going to put the money now in front of the deal. And that takes an experienced investor to do that or, or experienced uh, sponsor to do that like us, because now. I've laid out the business plan for everybody that invested in our fund. They know we're going to do a value add. They know it's going to be in a BC class asset class. They know it's in central Northern Florida. They know our minimum underwriting we're shooting for is 15%. So now they're comfortable. They've seen through our track record, which we can get into later, that we've done it before many, many times. So now they say, okay, we're in. We're going to make a commitment to you. So we went out and re-raised all those funds. And now when we approach the market, there's all these other syndicators, and then there's us. All that equity raise risk is off the table because we have the money already raised in the bank, Mr. Seller. And, and in fact, we're approaching the market right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're promising them that we can get closed by a certain time. So we're, we can close quicker because we don't have to go out and raise the money. And I'm not going to call you in, six, in, in a month or a month and a half and say, oh, by the way, I wasn't able to raise the money. Sorry. Right, that's all gone because it's all there, it, it's already been done. So that's why we made the jump to the blind pool fund because it made sense, it makes us more competitive, and thus far it's proven to be true. Yeah, I mean, that's that surety of close 100%.
1: The surety of close is a, is a big win for, for sellers. Um, you know, that's one of our strategies. That's how we want our last deal because the money's in the bank. So um, as you said, it takes off that that raising equity risk off the table. Um, yeah. And a lot of you know sellers want to close before the end of the year. Um, I mean, as of this recording, this is October 2021. So by December, people really want to deploy that capital because they don't want to take it into the next year Um, and I have to pay taxes on it. So there's a lot of variety um, of reasons why people want to do that for for those listening. Um, Ken, uh, we can keep going on and on, uh, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Okay, I'm ready. All right, first question. What makes you, Ken, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? You can use your company as well yourself.
0: Yeah, pr- probably my, um, my drive and my constant thirst for learning and expanding my knowledge. I see you've
1: got some books behind you there. What was the last book that you read and what was the one thing that you picked out from that book?
0: Yeah, probably, and, th- and this kind of supported what I already knew, uh, Grant Cardone's uh, 10X book. Uh, I don't remember the exact title, but all that matters is it's 10X, right? And that's how we approach everything. You you know, if you need to kill an ant, don't 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 use your finger. Use a sledgehammer, right? Go after it full speed and make sure you're going to be successful. So that's probably the biggest impact. And I, I'm reading constantly so I could name off ten books. But you said I should be quick. So that's, <laughs> that's the truth.
1: final question. You're busy um, a lot, you know, raising funds, managing your assets. What do you do for fun?
0: What do I do for I spend time with my family? My kids are awesome. My family is awesome. I You know, at this point in my life, uh, it's funny as life has gone going full circle. You realize that uh, it, it is all about your kids and your family, and that's what's really important. And so and, and quite honestly, growing what we're doing, I actually really enjoy doing it. It is fun. It's I don't, I
1: don't feel like it's work. Yeah, 100 percent. It's funny you said that, um, you know. I'm in my 30s, I've got two young girls and I'm, I'm trying to do like what you said is what I'm trying to do now. Like I live millions, I was talking to someone the other day I, I feel like I'm living millions on the table to go spend time with my kids but the, I mean those are millions on the table I don't mind living because I want to just relish that time because I'm never going to see them at one or two years old again, right? So I just want to relish that time as much as possible. So I, I
0: can relate. You're absolutely doing the right thing. You do not give that time back. I would give anything to do it all over again. Not that I missed time. I had a lot of time with my kids, but it, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. They're not going to talk about the money. They're going to talk about what they remember being with dad when we did this and, this and this and this and this and this. And that's what they'll remember. Exactly, exactly.
1: So for anyone listening and going, wow, I really like this you know, Ken guy. Um, you know, and they want to get connected with you. Um, where can people go to find out more about you, um, learn about what you're doing? Sure.
0: So remember, I talked earlier about the book.
1: Uh, oh yes, that Let's not forget yeah. the
0: book. Yeah. So, in it, it, it's easiest way to get to me. It, the The name of the book is uh, "Multi Family Real Estate is a Total Game Changer," and it's going to do two things. It's going to one answer that question that you asked me, and that is how do you how do you figure out how this is going to fit into your life. Every single person knows you can make a ton of money in real estate. They're just trying to figure out. How does that fit for them? So the first part of the book, I walk them through that process. Then the second part of the book, I make the assumption that most people should be passive investors. They should invest with syndicators like you and fund sponsors like me because they've got really good day jobs, right? I don't recommend oral surgeons and uh, you know, orthopedic <laughs> surgeons quit their day job to go into real estate, right? They've got pretty good day jobs. Invest with guys like us, But now you've got to figure out how do you pick the right guy or gal to invest with. So I go through the process of vetting sponsors and I talk a lot about how the business works. So um, that's critical. If you understand how an industry works, you kind of understand what motivates people to do what they do. And if you're vetting those sponsors, it helps you get a better clue on on the questions you should uh, ask. So to get the book, just go to kripartners.com slash ebook. So it's KRIpartners.com slash ebook. Download the ebook and then you're kind of in my system. Uh, If you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to hear from you. It's K-G-E-E at KRIpartners.com. Fantastic,
1: Ken. You're an absolute legend. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me in a push for us to get more reviews. Um, Of course, as you hear me in the beginning of the show, I do ask for reviews because that really helps the show, gets discovered by more people. Um, We're getting more listenership. So if you're out there and you're listening in on this particular episode, please, please, please give us a review. You would see a link in the show notes for the review. So definitely give us a review. Let us know what you think. And if you give us a review, what I need you to do is basically take a screenshot of your review on iTunes and send that to me on ola.dwelling.com and I'll actually enter you, listen to this drum roll (laughs) into a draw, a raffle draw where you can actually win $50 $50 in Amazon gift card. Yes, you heard that right. $50 in Amazon gift card. So if you're listening to this and when you get to wherever you're going, definitely, definitely stop and you know give us a review take a screenshot of your review and then send it to my email, which is basically dwelling.com, and you might get a chance. We're only going to be giving 10 of these. So for $500, we're actually doing this just to get more reviews. So if you give us a review, take a screenshot, send it to me and you'll be entered for that draw. At this time, I just want to say thank you so much um, for those listening to The Dwelling Show. I mean, it takes a lot of effort, you know, to get this guest, to record the podcast and edit and the video and YouTube and Facebook. So for anybody listening to my voice, I just want to say thank you so much um, just for being um, a great listener and just kind of, you know, coming week by week to get this content. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much.